So here we are in the dark. Well, not actually in the dark. Reminded me of a Russian gulag. I don't know if you know what that is. It's a Russian prison. It's usually pretty dark in those places in several ways. But uh, oh, Brother Johnny, I lost a wheel here, man. So I'm kind of hobbling along here like a one-legged sailor. But I'm still preaching the Word of God. It won't hinder me from preaching, amen? Now, I know you're not in no hurry because there ain't a roast in the oven. <laughs> amen. <laughs> so we're good to go, praise God. I'm happy to be here. It's always an honor to be able to come to this church. I see you on the Facebook and always doing wonderful things. And uh, I'm just glad to see people doing something for Jesus. Can you say amen? Because we don't have much time left. Yes, sir. At least I don't have much time left. But uh, we know the Lord is coming soon. If you're, yes, booking, if you're reading the book of Revelation, it's hard not to think that we're pretty close. Yes, sir. And, uh, but ever how long he takes, that's his business. Amen. I tell people I'm not in, I'm not in management, I'm in sales. <laughs> right? So I leave all that stuff to the Lord. But I've, uh, I've been impressed with this church for a long time. And, of course, Brother Israel and... Sister Brandy and, of course, Scotty and all the team. Uh, you look like you mean business for Jesus. Can you say amen? That's so important. I've been thinking about this message this morning, and uh, I don't know that I can give you the whole bail. I might just have to give you a half a bail, but uh, amen. If we get to come back this evening, I don't know if we'll come back this evening or not, will we? If we come back this evening, I might feed you the rest of it if you want to come back and hear it. <laughs> if you're not too mad at me. By the time you leave. Amen. But I've been impressed with our, I'm not, this is not a political endorsement. This is just a personal opinion. I've been impressed with our president over the last few days as he's traveled the, the world. And especially with his encounter with the Muslim nations. Amen. These are important historical encounters. Never mind what the media says about it. Trust me, it's important. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall have peace. And I thank God that uh, that's the endeavor. Amen? That's the endeavor. And I was very impressed recently when he was there in Jerusalem. And I saw the photo that was taken of him, particularly at the you want to grab my old Betsy here, brother? It's called Betsy, boys and girls. Be careful with her. Uh, when he was standing at the Wailing Wall, there, the western wall of the old uh, city of David, uh, a place in the, in the Arab language is called the, the Weeping Wall. It's a limestone wall of the old city of Jerusalem. And it's, that part is a, re a relatively small segment of a far longer, very longer, ancient retaining wall known as the Western Wall. That wall was originally uh, erected as part of the expansion of the Second Jewish Temple by Herod the Great. That was a temple during Jesus' time. In fact, they were still building that temple, amen, when Jesus was on the earth. And not only did they, were they building it, but they expanded the entire top of Mount, well, what we know as Mount Moriah. Uh, Mount, how, how many are familiar with Mount Moriah? Yes. Mount Moriah was the place where God told Abraham to take his son Isaac, his only son Isaac, and offer him as a sacrifice. Amen? It's on that same place that they have, that later on David comes to break a sacrifice at Ornan's threshing floor. Very same location. Well, that big old rock is still there. Amen. And there's a, there's a Muslim mosque built over now called the Dome of the Rock. It's a very holy place, not only to Jews, and, but it's a holy place to Muslims as well, because they believe that their prophet Muhammad, not Muhammad Ali, but Muhammad, uh, went, off to, uh, went off to heaven on his horse from that rock. Kind of strange idea, but nevertheless true. But there he was at that wall, and uh, built by... Uh, built by part of Herod's construction there. And uh, the, the Temple Mount. I was at that place some years ago. I did the very same thing. Went to the wall. 
Place my little prayers in there. Amen. And right to the left of that, as you're facing, right to the left, there's an alcove. And inside that alcove is where all the rabbis pray. And they got the Torah there, the Torah, the books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There, and they're reading the law, and they are uh, praying. And it's sad. It's really sad to watch this activity. Because as holy as this wall may be to them, it's actually an obstruction to them. It keeps them from understanding, it keeps them from seeing, from knowing, amen, the living Christ, the true Messiah of the living God. So the Western Wall, though it's considered holy, it really is a wall of obstruction. I've been in a lot of walls in my life. Uh, two of the most renowned walls I visited over my 44 years of traveling in the ministry. 40, somebody say 44 real quick. How did that happen? 44 years. One of them is the Kremlin Wall. There's several Kremlin Walls throughout Russia. Russia's cities were fortified cities. And they call them, the, the government part of it, they had a wall around it called the Kremlin. The Kremlin Wall was a fortified government facility. And the town that I used to live in in Russia, Kolomna, had a Kremlin there, which was partially torn down uh, by the Mongols. Uh, who was the chief Mongol, do you remember? Genghis Khan. It wasn't Genghis Khan, but his son came there and uh, they killed him. And so Genghis Khan, in revenge, came down and almost burned down the city. Amen. Uh, there. But the Kremlin Wall that you see on, on the World Travel Magazines is the one with Red Square. How many know where Red Square is? Yeah. I had the opportunity to stand in the middle of Red Square, Brother Scotty, with my guitar in hand, and I sang, He is Lord. Hallelujah. Then I went behind the Kremlin Wall and stood on the steps of the Duma, which is the Congress. It doesn't meet there anymore, but it used to meet there. And I sang that He is Lord on the steps of the Congress. Hallelujah. I was just claiming Christ for Russia. Can you say, man? And then recently, two or three years ago, I had the opportunity to stand on the Great Wall of China. The Great Wall of China. What a deal that was. Amen? They built that wall thousands of miles long to keep the enemies away from China. And nobody ever encroached that wall. Nobody ever went over that wall. They didn't have to. They came through the gates. <laughs> they simply paid off the guards, and the guards opened the door and let them in. So walls sometimes are there. Walls that are there to keep us protected. Amen. Keep us safe. One of my uh, walls that I visited on several occasions was the wall that surrounded the Greystone Chapel of Folsom Prison. Gone in there to preach the gospel many times in Folsom Prison. And every time I walked through those walls, my heart would be broken. Because except for the grace of God, can you see, man? I could have been living there myself. But God saved me. Well, I'm saying all this to say this because I'm going to talk about walls today, obviously. I got walls in my mind. And if you have your Bibles in Joshua chapter 5, I want to read some of the Word of God. That's why I said I probably won't get through this whole thing because I feel it's important to read the Scripture today. Is that all right with you? Yes. Joshua chapter 5, starting at verse number 12. I think I'm on the right page here. Joshua chapter 5, verse number 12. See if this is right. No manna appeared on that day. Is that right? Yes. No manna. How many remember what the manna was? That was that little coriander flake that fell out of the sky. Amen. Or at least landed on the ground. Manna from heaven that they ate. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. And when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. 
Joshua went up to him and demanded, listen to this, are you a friend or an enemy or a foe? And the man said, neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. Now, anytime you see this, the commander of the Lord's army, you're talking about a theophany, amen, of Christ himself. It's a theophany of Christ. At this, the Bible says, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. And he said to the commander of the Lord's army, I am at your command. Joshua said, what do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Sounds like a familiar encounter, doesn't it? Sort of same thing happened to old Moses. Joshua, the sixth chapter, verse number one. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. How many times? Once a day for how many days? Now you're listening. Good deal. Then he says in verse four, seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, talking about the ark of the covenant, each carrying a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times. On the seventh day, seven times around the town. And with the priests blowing the horns. And when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, he says, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant, assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. And then he gave orders to the people, march around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. And after Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched and, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the ark with the priests, continually blowing the horns. Now he says to them, do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. He said, then I want you to shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. And then Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priest again carried the ark of the Lord the seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. And again, the armed men marched both in front of the priest with their horns and behind the ark of the Lord. And all this time, the priests were blowing their horns. Hallelujah. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. It's important, my friend, to do exactly what God tells you. I want you to really learn that today. Do what God tells you. Do what the word of God tells you. The Bible says don't be a hearer of the word only, but a doer of the word. Can you say amen? When the Bible says love your enemies as yourself, well, guess what? That's what it means. Love your enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Can you say amen? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. With all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. Can you say amen? The Bible tells you to love one another. Glory to God. The Bible says you to give cheerfully. Glory to God. Can you say amen? The Bible says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And so much more as you see that day approaching. Come on somebody. It's important to do what the word says to do. You can make up a lot of excuses, but you can't excuse yourself from disobeying the word of God. I've got a lot of brothers I've traveled with from the church of Christ. I love them, brothers. When they, when they, when they lead you to the Lord, they baptize you right now. <laughs> you know, they even take their baptistry on with them. I don't have a problem with that. If they want to do that. It's fine and dandy with me. People say, well, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. No, but you need, if you're saved, you need to be baptized. 
Well, why? The thief on the cross wasn't saved. Well, the thief on the cross didn't have an opportunity. To, to, or wasn't baptized. He didn't have an opportunity to be baptized, did he? When you have an opportunity to obey God, you need to obey God. Amen. If you haven't been baptized because you're worried about what somebody's going to say about you or think about you or your flesh gets in the way, I should say there's a wall in your way. Then you need to humble yourself and obey the word of the Lord. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town. How many times? Seven. Good. Good. You get the smiley face, sissy. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded a long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people to do what? Do what? Do what? Do what? There you go. Shout. For the Lord has given you the town. When God sent me to my, a few years ago, to this little community called Dos Palos. Dos Palos. That's Spanish for two sticks. Amen. You got a two sticks nearby. It's called Tupelo. It's an Indian word for two sticks. But I live in Dos Palos. And when I got to town, God said, I, this is my town. And he gave me a dream. And in that dream, I saw the marquee. And on the marquee, it said Dos Palos, God's town. Well, guess what I did when I got to the church? I got a ladder. I crawled up on the marquee and I put up the words, Dos Palos, God's town. And I claimed it as God's town. I didn't know God was going to give me that city, but he did. He did. He gave me the city. I not only pastored there, but I ended up being their mayor. Amen. God gave me that town and I claimed it for his town. In fact, I brought my friends in and we took the cross we took the cross and we marched it down Main Street. We marched it down this street and that street and that street, carrying the cross. Can you say amen? Yes. Singing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, and all the other great songs that you were singing this morning. And we claimed the town. We shouted for the Lord, and the Lord gave us the town. Yes. Well, Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. And he said, only Rahab... The prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. That's another story. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver and gold and bronze or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. And when the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they what? They what? <laughs> There you go. Good going, babies. Way to go. Out shot them, them old adults there. Amen. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and they captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. In other words, they did exactly what God told them to do. If you want to have victory in your Christian walk, we got to bring down the walls in your life. Because there's not an individual in this church this morning, and I think I can say this with a guarantee because the Holy Ghost has given it to me. There's not a person in this building that hasn't got some sort of obstruction in their spiritual life. It might be a habit. It might be a mindset. It might be a tradition. Can you say amen? Yes. It might be an offense. It might be a grievance. It might be a sin. That's keeping you from completely taking the victory that God wants you to have. Come on, somebody. We might as well, we might as well be honest with God. After 40 long years, Israel is now ready to begin the process of claiming the promised land. And by the way, let me set your hymnal straight. The promised land was not heaven. There's no walled cities in, in, in the heaven we're going to. Can you say amen? There's no giant cities. When I say there's no walled cities, I'm not talking about the city of Jerusalem, but I'm talking about fortified cities. There's no need for fortified cities because there the lion lays down with the lamb. Yes. Glory to God. Peace rules where Christ lives. Can you say amen? He's not the author of confusion. He, he's the author of peace. 
So sometimes we sing about the promised land in the hymnal, and I understand it. it's, it's, you know, it's symbolic, I guess, but it's not the promised land. The promised land was the land that God told them they could have 40 years ago. Yes. But the Bible says they didn't mix the word of God, faith with the word of God, Hebrews, it says. And so they didn't enter in, therefore there remaineth a promise or a rest for the people of God. I want you to understand something. There's more to being saved than just being saved. There's more to being a Christian than just going to heaven. There's more to being a child of God than just having your names written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, that's absolutely important. Don't get me wrong. Because it starts with you repenting of your sins, giving your heart to Christ, can you say amen, and then beginning to obey the Lord, doing what the God would have you to do. But some of the problems that people have in the church is they sit there day in or week in and week out with these walls in their life and they can't seem to go past them. And so it's like two steps forward and three steps back all the time. That's not what God has intended for you. God has a victory for you. Come on, somebody. We sing it. Victory in Jesus. (laughs) Come on. Victory in Jesus. Victory means you're winning. Can you say amen? Victory means you're won. And, and, but yet there's a lot of Christian people I run into, they're not winning. And that's why our churches are anemic. They have no power. They got enough power to blow fuzz off peanuts. Amen? They, they can't preach the gospel. They can't witness. They're afraid. They're scared. They can't even talk to their own people convincingly enough, can you say amen, uh, to, to get them saved because things are stopping them. Well, when they got to the city of Jericho, God said, it's got to go. It's got to go. Now, you may not understand the Old Testament sometimes because God operated with a different modus operandi. Is that right, policeman? Yeah, he had a different, a different way of doing things in those days. Amen. But his intentions were the same. His intentions was this. I'm going to have my will done. See, there's, there's one thing you can, you can understand about God. God will have his will done. He's going to have his will done. Amen. Uh, When you pray and you don't get answered for a prayer right away, I'll tell you why, because God's not ready to have his will done in your life according to that prayer right now. So learn how to wait on God. Amen. So you may wonder, though, when I after reading all these scriptures, why a battle that was fought more than 3000 years ago has anything to do with us today, especially those of us of the new covenant. (laughs) The New Testament. Well, I'll tell you why. Because this battle teaches us about our own walk with the Lord. And that though we freely are saved by grace, the promises that God offers us must be taken. There's an interesting passage, and it still sort of bothers my mind. The kingdom is taken by violence, and the violent take it by force. <coughs> what? Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. What? Hallelujah. Remember, he's the Lord, the, com- the, the commander of the Lord's army. Yes. Can you say amen? God wants you to understand, and that's why Paul said, put on the whole armor of God, that you are in a battle. You may not recognize that you're in a battle because very often we're already defeated. We're already set down before we even got, got ready to fight. Amen. It's just how easy the devil can beat us. But I'm telling you, the devil has no place in you. Somebody said, well, the devil has no place in me. He has no rights in you. He has no authority over you. You know why? I'll tell you why. Listen. There is only three people or three Situation where God made something called a human being. Babies, we all love babies, glory to God, but babies are not in the earth by the will of God. Babies are in the earth by the plan of God. Can you say amen? He planned that men and women would have children. How many know that? But children are born by the will of the flesh. Not by the will of God, by the will of the flesh. Now, God loves every child that's born. Can you say amen? He loves every child that's born. Don't get me wrong. He does. He loves children. Such is the kingdom of heaven. 
But God only created one man in the Garden of Eden. His name was Adam. And from his side, he brought a woman in. Can you say amen? And then he birthed a son through a surrogate mother. Can you say a virgin womb? And we called his name Jesus. And then he created you and me as a new creation in Christ Jesus. These are the people that God are born. We're born again, not by the will of the flesh, but by the will of God. God created you brand new. And so the devil has nothing in you, my friend. Uh, Jesus said the devil came to me and he found nothing in me. Glory to God. Why? Because he has nothing to do with me. And by the way, the devil has nothing to do with me. Oh, yeah, he likes to try. Because he's, he's such a liar, he doesn't know when he's defeated. Are you listening to me? He doesn't know when he's beat. He doesn't know that the victory has been won, that the battle is over. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he's over as far as I'm concerned. Listen to me, my friend. I don't have to live in bondage. I don't have to live with walls in my life. I can tear these things down. Can you say amen? By the powerful word of God, I can deliver myself and set myself free. And I can find the victory that God has for me. I can overcome. Anybody still with me? You still with me, children? Young ladies, I should say, what are you growing up so fast? I tell you. Better stop it. You're making me look old. <laughs> I know some of these children. So you say, well, Brother Johnny, I don't, I don't think I have any problems. Well, there's your first wall. I said, there's your first wall. You, you, you haven't been honest with yourself. Come on, somebody. Preach with me this morning. You got to face it. You know what the psalmist said? David said this. I guess it was David. He said, search my heart, O God. Somebody say, search my heart. Search my heart, O Lord, and see if there be any unclean thing in me. You find something in me, Lord, wash me with hyssop. Amen. Though my sins be as scarlet, Lord, make me white as snow. You say, well, Brother Johnny, I've been forgiven. Yeah, I know you've been forgiven. I know you've been forgiven. The whole world's been forgiven. How many know the whole world's been forgiven? But, but you got to operate in that forgiveness. And part of operating in that forgiveness is to know that you don't have to live shortchanged. You don't have to live shortchanged. Your prayers can be powerful. I said your prayers can be powerful. Do you don't, don't you think the devil wants to hinder your prayers? If you don't believe that, read Daniel again. Can you say amen? <laughs> read Daniel. He was, he was a pretty powerful man of God, if you ask me. If you can stop a lion's mouth, you're a pretty powerful man of God. Amen? But his prayers were hindered. The devil will try to hinder your prayers. And sometimes I'll bet it's been like this for you. You go to prayer, it's just like your prayers are falling on your shoes. Nothing's going up to heaven. Let me tell you what. God don't want you that. God wants, listen, here's what God has made available to you. Under the sprinkling and the blood of Jesus Christ, God has given you full on access to the throne of grace. The throne of grace. There's no hindrances to come there. There's no veil standing in the way. You don't have to make any other sacrifices, any more offerings. Can you say amen? All you got to do is humble yourself under the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. And come and pronounce yourself before the Lord. Uh, Father God, I am here. And there stands my advocate, even the Lord Jesus Christ. He can vouch for me. The Holy Spirit here is to confirm that I have the right and privilege to be in front of the living God, the Father of all heaven. Your majesty, my sir, and I'm here to tell you, I need this and I need that. I don't ask it for myself, but I'm asking it for the glory of God. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I'll tell you, sometimes you're going to have to really learn how to pray because you're going to have to pray hard. You're going to have to pray hard because somebody that you love is going to be in serious trouble. And you're going to have to know how to really get in there and get a hold of God. Can you say amen? You're, you, this younger generation are living in an America that's going to really need you to know how to pray. I can tell you right now, I'm not a prophet to do, but it isn't going to get any better out there. I just thank God, hallelujah, that, that we got someone that can really kind of push back against it in a little while anyway, give us a little more time to preach the gospel while we're not being thrown in jail for calling homosexuality a sin. And by the way, it is. Steve marrying Steve and Betty marrying Sue it doesn't stand up in God's court. Are you listening to me? 
Exactly right. And by the way, there is only one God. Allah is not him. Yes. Buddha is not him. There's only one, God, one, one Lord Jesus Christ, and Muhammad is not, not the Savior. There's only one Savior, and it's Jesus Christ. Now, that's not politically correct, is it? But it's the truth nonetheless. There'll come a time when they'll put you in jail for saying exactly what I just said. There are countries right now that will already do it. Just so happens, Dan found you out here in, uh, where are we? <laughs> Mount Zion. You don't know if you've got some walls in front of you. That's why some of you have a hard time making friends at school. That's why some of you have a hard time keeping friends at school. That's why some of you have a hard time getting along with some of your relatives. That's why some of you have a hard time staying in a church. You pop from church to church to church to church. Remind me of the boy who come upon this shipwrecked man on an island. And he said to the man, are you here by yourself? He said, I am. He said, well, I don't understand. There's, there's three uh, teepees over here. He said, oh, that's easy. I live in that one. I go to church in that one. He said, well, what's that one? Oh, that's where I used to go to church. There's walls in your life. That's why you pop from church to church. Let the preacher say one thing that gets on your toes. And guess what? The wall goes up. You don't want to hear any more about what he has to say. Hey, I've seen it happen. Amen. I was in a Baptist church, a church that I went to school at. I love that pastor. He was a great man of God, the greatest soul winner I ever knew. I never seen a Sunday morning that he didn't bring somebody down the aisle that he led to the Lord that week. But I remember when the church got mad at him. And I was sitting in the Sunday night service. And he was up there preaching, preaching his heart out. And I was sitting there and the Lord said, they've, they've quit listening to him. I said, what, Lord? They quit listening to him. And so I just panned the audience. And sure enough, man, the church had turned their ears off to him. And I thought, oh, my dear God, we are in trouble. And then the Lord says, I want you to tell him what I've showed you. Now, I was a young Christian, man. I thought, Lord, I can't do that. I can't tell this man of God, president of my Bible college, uh, what's happening here. He said, no, I want you to tell him. Because I hardly even knew him anyway. Just, hi, pastor. Hi, brother Jim. So anyway, the service was over, and I was standing outside waiting like a coward, not wanting to do what God told me to do. Because I don't want to offend this man. What if I'm wrong? Amen? What if I, what I heard and what I seen isn't true? Well, man, this would be a big offense to him. And the next thing I know, he came out, and Miss Judy, my wife, I call her Miss Judy, she was standing by me, and he says to me and Miss Judy, hey, Brother Johnny, can you and Miss Judy go to coffee with me? That's the first time, and I think it was the last time, he ever invited me to coffee. And I go, what? Yeah, we want you to, my wife and I want you to go to coffee with us. I go, Really? I thought, oh, well, okay. So we went to a nice cafe and got a cup of coffee, a piece of pie, and had fellowship. I couldn't, I just didn't have the nerve to say anything. Couldn't say it. That the people had put up a wall. Put up a wall. Well, we're leaving. The women walk out ahead of us. My wife and, and sister walked out ahead. Brother Jim and I were tro trolling behind, so to speak, and and I just kept walking along. I still didn't have any nerve. We're headed to our cars, and I'm thinking, I just can't do this. I just can't do it, Lord. And uh, I looked, and he, he wasn't beside me anymore. I go, where'd he go? And I stopped, and he was still standing up from here to Scotty over there, looking at me. And so I looked at the preacher, and I go, he goes, Brother Johnny, you got something to tell me? I go, Brother Jim. He said, no, you tell me what God told you. I said, Brother Jim, the people who put a wall up in front of you, they're not listening to you anymore. He said, he told me the same thing. It was a sad day. They lost a great man of God. The church went to nothing after that. 
you must be careful about these walls. They can, they can be so destructive. Yes, they can hide your ego. They can hide your pride. Are you listening to me, church? They can hide your emotions. But you got to be careful because some of these things are going to be a stumbling block to you. Some, of, some people I know haven't talked to relatives for years and years or friends for years and years because of some silly offense. Who do you think that's hurting? It's hurting God more than anybody. Do you know that? You need to get that wall down. Amen? Some of you young people, listen to Brother Johnny here because I got a lot of young people. I got 18 grandchildren and four great-grandchildren, so I know what I'm talking about, and I got six kids of my own. Some of you build walls up between you and your parents, and you got to be careful because the Bible tells you to honor your father and your mother. They may not look like they agree with you. You may have thought they lost their mind. Amen. But you do not have that prerogative. Are you listening to me? You do not have that prerogative to build a wall between your mama and your daddy or your siblings as far as that goes. You do not have a wall to build between you and your teachers, your instructors. You need to honor those people. Can you say amen? And, and that goes for every other person that holds authority over your life. That's what's wrong with America. We've got no fear. Of, we, we don't let, have the fear of God in front of us. And so we have no respect for authority. We build these walls. Look how, look how broken Washington is because of the divides, the divisions. Am I still preaching all right? Or am I just getting into everybody's business? <laughs> hey, I, I, I came here to help you. Can you say amen? I came here to help you. I didn't come here to entertain you or tickle your ear. I, I don't, I'm running out of time on that, folks. I'm on 4th Street. I'm headed to the finish line. Can you say amen? amen. So I, I got I to do what God says. But let me tell you this. Whatever stands before you today and keeps you from going deeper with God, that wall must come down. You can't go forward till it comes down. It might be a wall of unforgiveness. It might be a sin that you're hiding from. Hello? Might be a sin. And, and here's what, here's, it's no secret sin. I guarantee you, if it's there, you know about it. Amen? You know about it. You may be hiding it from everybody else, but you're not hiding it from God. Amen? You may be in denial of it, but you're not hiding it from God. It's got to come down. It might be some wall that you've constructed that keeps you from even coming to Jesus for salvation. I had two men years ago came in my office. One was a big old husky man. I mean, this guy was a hoss. And this little old milk toast of a fellow, they came in looking for money. They wanted money. I said, well, silver and gold have I none, literally. <laughs> But such as I have, I will give you. I got some food. I'll give you some food to eat. You know, I, I can give you some clothes. Uh, I can do all that kind of thing. But I don't give away money because, well, see, I, I came from the streets too. I know what you do with money. I said, well, what you need is to get saved. And I started sharing the gospel with them. And this big fellow says, no, God can't save me. I've been too mean. I've done too many wrong things. God could never forgive me. Now, how can a man say to the, how can the pot say to the potter what the potter will do? How can a man say what God will do and won't do? Amen. I'm telling you, no matter what it is, God can forgive you. He can forgive you. But if you keep that wall in front of you, well, I don't deserve it. Somebody tell me in here who deserved it. Did anybody deserve it? I didn't deserve it. God saved this undeserving worm. Can you say Amen. Put me out of a horrible pit, set my feet on a solid rock and establish my going. Glory to God. Put a new song in my heart, even praise of the Lord. Many shall hear it and fear God. You got to tear this wall down of doubt and fear and unbelief. I'm never going to be nobody. I don't have any gifts. I don't have any talents. Listen, you are a special individual. And you do have talents and you do have gifts. What you got to quit doing is doubting yourself. That wall of doubt is keeping you from going. I have a beautiful grandchildren, but 
I got one that's kind of got me wrapped around her finger. She was here with me last time, wasn't she? Yes. Taylor Gray. And you know, she loves Alabama. Now, she's a California girl, but she loves Alabama. So girls, think about that for a minute. Everybody, I want to go to California. Why? Yeah, I know it's only 60 degrees in my house right now. But <laughs> and the Pacific breeze is only flowing through there. It's nice. But she wants to, she loves Alabama. And her, her whole childhood, she wanted to go to the University of Alabama. Now, she graduated early. She graduated when she was 17, so she just finished her first year of college at Cabrillo College, Junior College. And in the middle of the summer, she was staying with me while she went to college because the college is near my house. So she said to me, Pop, I want to go to Alabama. And when she was here, I took her down to the university and gave her the tour, right? We had pizza down there. Hey, pretty good. And boy, I, when I did that, that lit a fire under her. I want to go to Alabama, Pop. I go, well, why don't you try? Apply. Nothing's stopping you. You can go to any school you want to go to if you want to try. Oh, I don't know if I can get the money. You don't know until you try. It's so far away, I don't know if Mom and Daddy will let me go. You don't know until you try. Amen. Well, guess what? In July, she flies in. She's going to orientation. And in August, she starts her, first, her sophomore year at uh, University of Alabama. Roll Tide. No offense, Auburn fans, but uh, <laughs> and, well, I pull for Auburn, too, until they're playing each other. Then I flip a coin. Uh, nothing's stopping you except some wall of doubt or fear or, or inhibition. I'm not pretty. Let me tell you something. Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. That's an old saying, but it's so true. If you've got Jesus in your heart and you're letting the Lord shine in your life, let me tell you something. That's attractive. That's very attractive. And let me tell you what, young boys like good girls. They like good girls. They really do. They really do. And by the way, good girls, you should like good boys. Amen. If that boy ain't in church somewhere, then you ought to stay away from him. Just take my word for it. Can you say amen? Take my word for it. Well, I've kind of gone off my lesson here, but I think it's still there. Don't let walls stop you from doing things. Inhibition, fear, doubt, frustration, anxiety, all kinds of stuff. So the good news is this. How, how are we doing on time, boys? I don't want to keep you past. Uh, I, don't want, I don't want all them Church of God folks getting to the restaurant before you. <laughs> Here's the good news. What's the good news, Brother Jay? <laughs> the good news is the walls in our life can be brought down. And these verses tell us how to make that happen. You know, when I got saved, I came out of a dark world. I came out of the honky-tonk world. I came out of the psychedelic 60s. I was a hippie, musician. And on top of that, lost as a goose. But Jesus saved me. But when he saved me, I was smoking Tipperillo cigars. You know what Tipperillo, you little kids don't know what Tipperillos are, but some of, them, some of these old sailors, they know. I wanted to quit smoking so bad. It was a wall in my life. Now, God had already taken away marijuana. He'd taken away narcotics. He'd taken away alcohol. But here was this nicotine. I couldn't shake it. I think it's stronger than the, than the mother, to be honest with you. And so I was sitting at home, and this guy come to my house. I'm going to close with this story because I don't have enough time to preach this whole thing. This guy came to my house and said, Brother Johnny, can you bring your guitar and go with me? We're going to go up to this village. It's a hippie commune, and we're going to, we're going to minister to the hippies. I go, okay, let's go. Well, I was kind of brand new, and I didn't really, I didn't really know much about Christianity then. I just got saved. And and I still look like a hippie myself, kind of look like a POW, actually. Uh, and so we got to, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, when you come out of the world, you're ugly. I mean, you're ugly when you come out of the world. I mean, lost. But uh, God was working. So we get up there and we're singing these songs. I didn't know any of these songs, really. I just played along with them. And all these hippies and these grandmothers were running this thing, these, these old grandmothers. Old Pentecostal grandmothers. <laughs> 
And, uh, and I didn't know nothing about Pentecostalism. I didn't know nothing about Baptist doctrine or none of that stuff. I didn't know anything. I just knew that Jesus saved me. That's all I did know. And so I'm standing there, and oh, we're all going to pray, they said. So we got in this big circle, right? And I'm standing sort of on the perimeter because I don't know what to do. So I'm standing, Miss Judy's standing there with me. We're both like little, little ducks, out, you know, like little fish out of the pond, ducks out of the water, not knowing what to do. We're standing there. And the next thing I know, my hand of the Lord, I'm waking up, laying on the floor. I don't know what happened. Miss Judy, I looked up, and I saw her at the end of my feet. She's standing there, her eyes like saucers, and she's going, get up. <laughs> and this old grandmother was standing over the top of me. She had me straddled, pinned down. And this old grandma, Pentecostal grandma, Sister Blasting Game was her name, God rest her soul. She says, son, you're never going to be the same again. Never going to be the same again. I don't know what that meant. But whatever demon or devil or whatever <laughs> I don't know what she's talking about. So anyway, we got back in the car. We headed home, and I'm thinking, wow, what was that about? I mean, I'd seen psychedelics. On, on the psychedelics, I'd seen a lot of weird things back in my drug days, but uh, this was really wild. And so when I got back to the house, I was walking up to my apartment. We lived on the second floor, and I, those tipperillos were in my pocket. I pulled them out, and I tossed them like this, and they went, woo, 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 right off the balcony, <laughs> unfortunately, right into the swimming pool. I didn't feel too good about that, but I never smoked again. The wall came down. Now, what am I telling you that for? Because I'm an ex- I am I am proof that walls can come down. Now, are all my walls down yet? <laughs> I wish. Can you say, man? I still have trouble with Twinkies and Hostess and Snicker bars and all kinds of. All kinds of good stuff. God help me. Somebody say, God help me. And I got to start taking it serious, to be honest with you. So what's the good news? Everybody say this with me. The good news is this. God can take the walls down. All I have to do is ask the Lord to help me. And he's a present help in the time of trouble. Amen, Brother Ben. <laughs> Listen, we got a lot more to this message. I don't know if I'll finish it up tonight. I might decide to preach something else. You can't never tell. Can you say amen? amen? But let me tell you something. You're going to have to face that wall sooner or later. I say sooner is always better than later. Amen. Why put off to tomorrow what you can do today? If you'll ask God, listen to me, church. If you'll ask God to help you, he'll change your attitude first toward yourself and him. Because he wants to get into a very personal and intimate relationship with you. A real relationship. And that relationship is going to be so, so, so much better when you say, Lord, here's my life. Fix my life. Take down these things that have been hindering me. Some of these things, you know that they're there. You've been dealing with them all your life. Can you say amen? And ask God to help you get rid of those things. And you know what? He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. Now, it may not happen overnight. It may be a process. Can you say amen? But don't give up. Don't give up. How many times do they have to march around the city? Good, good, good girl. Who said 13? There you go. That's right. Seven on the last day, right? And six before. But guess what? It sounded like an unlucky number. No, it was Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen. It came down. Can you say amen? And they did what? They shouted. So if you have to get before the Lord and shout, it's okay. It's okay. Talk to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. Say, Lord, here's old brother Johnny. Lord, you see what a mess I am? He said, I've been noticing that a long time, son. Can you fix me? Yes. If you'll let me, I can. And God will. He will fix you. He will help you. He will help you, and he'll be doing it for the rest of your life. Can you say amen? Because see, as you get older, things change. 
Different people come into your life, and guess what they bring into your life? Their walls. Can you say amen? They bring into your life their walls, and they ask you to try to live with it. And you know what? It's hard to live with your own walls, much less anybody else's walls. How many know what I'm talking about? So you're going to have to learn how to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But it can be done. Joshua won the victory. Amen. And they took the land of promise. Step by step, battle by battle, victory by victory. Amen. And you can do the same thing. Let's pray. While your eyes are closed and no one's looking around this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. You see, Brother Johnny, I don't know how you knew this, but this very thing that I've been dealing with in my life popped up again this week. And I need God's help. I need God's help. Nobody's looking around. But if I'm talking to you, just lift your hand. Just lift your hand up and let me, let me pray with you. I see that hand. Yep, yep, yep. Say, I want you to pray with me, Brother Johnny. Father, you saw the hands that came up. These are hands of surrender. They're hands of confession. They're saying, God, I need God to work and to intervene in this particular area, this particular wall of my life, to bring it down. And God, I need you to go before me and be a watchman on the wall, so that I may know when the enemy's coming, God, and that I may be ready and prepared, Father God. I ask you, Heavenly Father, just to help me and bless me and strengthen me. This I do pray in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. amen. If you bring me old Betsy, I'll get out of your way here. Buddy. God bless you, folks. Was it too long? <laughs> That was a small no there with it. <laughs> Amen. You still got some balls? All righty. God bless you. Thank you, my brother. We appreciate you. Um, always thankful for the truth of the Word of God. Isn't it good that God knows what we need when we need it? It's almost like the Holy Spirit takes his finger and touches our lives right where it needs to be touched. God is good. The Bible says he's greatly to be praised. Let's remember that. Let's remember, just like Brother Johnny said, that we talked last Sunday a whole lot about grace, grace that saves well, you know that that same grace is sufficient. Yes, Lord. Whatever you need, God is able and willing to meet your need. Yes, Lord. Trust Him. Ask Him. Come clean before Him. You know, sometimes it's amazing to me that I, I, I've, I've noticed it, you know, in my prayer life. Sometimes I think we try to impress God with how we pray and what we say and what we try to hide from Him, amen? <laughs> when God knows everything. He knows everything about me and everything about you, but the truth is he still loves you. His grace is sufficient for you.